Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis at support.greatdetectives.net. And I want to go ahead and thank Paul for supporting the program that way. In addition, you can become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. And I want to thank Peter for becoming our latest Patreon supporter at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Peter. Now it's time for another episode of Dangerous Assignment. The original air date is April the 21st of 1951, and the title is Retrieve Guchek. Starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Yeah, danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though. Trouble, but... When I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize that this assignment's going to prove that not only is the pen mightier than the sword, the ink bottle is mightier than the gun. Morning, Commissioner. Ruth said you had an assignment for me. I do, Steve, and your plane leaves in an hour. Oh, well, what uncivilized neck of the world do I get sent to this time? French Riviera. Hey! I must have been living right lately. (laughs) Hey, tell me, do they still wear those bathing suits over there, Commissioner? I'm afraid you won't have much time to be looking at bathing suits, Steve. You'll be more interested in looking at an elderly man. You want to bet? Okay, so who's the elderly man? Jan Visco. Oh, the Czech author? Yes, he's been living on the Riviera since the war, Steve. He's been instrumental in smuggling quite a few worthwhile citizens out from behind the Iron Curtain. Oh, that's news to me. It should be. It's a very closely guarded secret. Because, obviously, certain interests would like very much to know who's masterminding the operation that's been a thorn in their side for the last four years. I still don't see what the deal is or where I fit in. Steve, Visco has completed all the arrangements to smuggle out into free Europe the most important man yet. Who is it? His name is Gochak. He's an atomic scientist. And he can give us a first-hand account of the status of atomic research behind the Iron Curtain. I see. Enough said. Where's this Gochak now? He's been hiding in Prague, waiting for Visco to make the necessary arrangements. This morning, we've just received word that those arrangements have been completed. Oh? Gochek will arrive secretly at the Riviera tomorrow morning. He will meet Bisco at the prearranged rendezvous, or I should say, he'll meet Bisco and you. Oh, I'm elected bodyguard, huh? Yes, and I'm sure you realize the opposition would go to any lengths to prevent Gochek from getting to us. Get over to the Riviera, work with Jan Bisco, meet Gochek, and bring him back here to the States safe and sound. And incidentally, try to stay alive yourself. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck. Uh, 
the National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful, two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you will find Steve Mitchell on another Dangerous Assignment. Got my assignment. Fly to the French Riviera, check with an author named Bisco, then meet a scientist named Gocek who's being smuggled out from behind the Iron Curtain. All of which sounds just dandy, except that I've got an uneasy hunch that the gents who operate that Iron Curtain will be trying their best to drop same on my neck. It's Wednesday night, a little before midnight, when my plane lands and I put through a telephone call to Bisco's villa. We? Oui? Bisco? No. Oh, maybe I've got the wrong number. Is this Jan Bisco's villa? Oui. May I speak to him? Who is calling, please? Mitchell, Steve Mitchell. May I inquire why you wish to speak to Monsieur Bisco? Look, if you don't mind, that's something I'll discuss with him. Now, is he there? Can I come to the telephone at present? But if you will tell me the nature of your business, I will... Look, Buster, are you his official bouncer or something? Bouncer? I do not understand. Neither do I. Look, is Bisco going to be there for a while? If so, I'll come out. A good idea. And Monsieur Bisco, he will be here. Oui? I'm Mitchell. You're the guy I was talking to over the phone? Oui, please to come in. Okay. Well, did you tell Bisco that I was coming? No. What? Now, look. If you're Bisco's butler, he could do a lot better, believe me. Two items to correct, monsieur. In the first place, I am not Monsieur Bisco's butler. And in the second place, it was quite impossible to inform him that you were coming out here to his villa. Why was it impossible? Because Monsieur Bisco was in his library. Dead. What? We. Oui. A long and quite sharp letter opener buried in his back. And now, monsieur? What? Uh, that gun in your hand says you're the boy who stabbed him, too, huh? You are quite wrong, monsieur. This gun in my hand says that you are under arrest. Under arrest? Say, what is this? I am Inspector Marchon of the Cirete. Oh, well, I guess that clears a couple of things up. But it does not clear you up, monsieur. No? Well, maybe these credentials of mine will, Marchon. Credentials? Take a look. So, it would appear we have been at cross purposes. You see, when you telephoned, I thought you might possibly be involved in the killing. So I wished you to come out here in order that I might question you. Yeah. You say the body's still in the library? Oui, this way. What time was the killing? As near as we can place it, around 10 o'clock this evening. Two hours ago, huh? There is the body, seated behind the desk, as you can see. Yeah. Files and papers scattered all over the library. Mitchell, I am completely puzzled by one element in this case. What's that, Inspector? Motive. Jan Bisco was a universally respected author. Why would anyone wish to kill him? Who was his enemy? I guess he had quite a few of them. You see, Bisco headed an operation which smuggled people out from behind the Iron Curtain, Marshal. Indeed. Ah, oh, that explains it. If there are political implications in the killing... A very important scientist named Gocek is in the process of being smuggled out right now. He's due to arrive tomorrow morning, and Bisco was to meet him. Where? I don't know, but I'm afraid Bisco's killer does. Mitchell... Do you mean that this refugee scientist, Gocek, is walking blindly into a death trap? That's about the size of it, I guess. That means we've got to find out who killed Bisco, then trail him or her to the meeting with Gocek and just hope we get there in time. A large order. Yeah, we've only got about six hours. Where do you wish to start? With Monsieur Bisco's secretary, perhaps? Secretary? We. Oui. 
A mademoiselle Helen Nolska, a Polish girl. She lives here. It was she who reported the murder by telephone. I see. Yeah, I'd like to talk to her. Where is she? In the next room. I, I will call her. Mademoiselle Nolska, would you step in here a moment? All right. This is Monsieur Steve Mitchell, a government agent from the United States. How do you do, Mr. Mitchell? Miss Nolska. Monsieur Mitchell wishes to ask you some questions in connection with the murder of Monsieur Biscot. A United States government agent investigating the death of Jan Biscot? I do not understand. Oh, you weren't aware of Biscoe's activities? Of course I was aware of his activities. He was a writer. Anything else? Not that I know of. I see. Now, tell me about this evening. Very well. Mr. Biscoe and I worked late this evening. Here, in the library? Yes, he was dictating to me. At around ten o'clock, I went down the hall to the kitchen to prepare tea and cakes, which Mr. Biscoe always liked when he worked nights. Go on. Well, while I was in the kitchen, I heard the front doorbell... I started down the hall to answer it, but Mr. Biscoe called to me that he would answer it. Oh, did you see who it was? No. About 20 minutes later, I, I went back into the library. It took you that much more time just to fix tea and cakes? And I also found that strange, Mitchell. As I explained to Inspector Marchand, I burned the first batch of cakes and had to prepare more. Okay, so 20 minutes later, you returned to the library? Yes, to find Mr. Biscoe dead. The letter opener in his back. It was a horrible sight. Was he expecting any visitors this evening? None. But of course he had several friends who frequently would drop in on him. Oh, just who are these friends? Hans, Alex, Magda. Wait a minute, not so fast. Let's have them one at a time. Who's Hans? A, a pianist. He lives on the third floor of the place next door. You can see his apartment from here. Oh, his window is dark. He is either away from home or asleep. You say he was a good friend of Monsieur Biscoe? Yes. You see, uh, Hans is not a very prosperous pianist, and Mr. Biscoe more or less supported him. Okay, we'll check Hans later. Who's next on the list? Alex. What does he do? Why, nothing very much, I am afraid. I see. Then there was a girl, Magda? Yes, a, a cafe singer. Okay, first I want to talk to Alex, the boy who does nothing for a living. Where does he live? It is a rather difficult place to find... Perhaps I had better take you there. Well, thanks. Let me see. My purse and glove should be in here somewhere. Uh, those are the ones over there on the table? Oh, yes, thank you. If you will excuse me while I freshen up, I will be with you shortly. Oh, sure. Well, Mitchell, it appears there is a long night's work ahead. Yeah, I... Hmm. What is it? I just noticed something here on the desk. Oh, you mean the paper scattered around? No, this bottle of ink that's been spilled. We oui, I noticed that. And the reason that it had been spilled by the killer is he or she searched the desk. But what about it? Part of the ink stained the top of the desk and the rest dripped onto the floor. So? Look at the stain on the top of the desk. A slight smear in the middle. Yeah. The killer could have got some of that ink on his or her hands. It is possible. We. Oui. And observe, Mitchell, this ink is the so-called indelible kind. Which means it won't wash off easily. So that we will know the killer when we find him. Yeah. But first, we've got to find them. I am ready now, Mr. Mitchell. Okay, Helen. Did you uh, check that pianist window again? Hans? Yes, but it is still dark. Okay. Let's try this boy, Alex, then. I'm always real interested to meet people who do nothing for a living. Just jealous, I guess. Looks like I'm specializing in guys who aren't home tonight. Uh, the door, it is unlocked. Yeah, yeah. Come on, let's take a look around inside. 
It is very dark in here. Yeah, I'll get the lights. Yeah. Oh, brother, this isn't exactly what you'd call a mansion, is it? Cardboard over the windows, pieces of tin over holes in the walls, the works. Mr. Mitchell, it, it seems so very warm in here. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. Wait, that pot-bellied stove over in the corner. Why would he have a fire when the weather is so warm? That's a good question. Huh. Bunch of charred papers. Let's see if I can salvage any of it. What is it? Propaganda handouts. Oh? Well, looks like Alex was a party boy, all right. Probably had a job passing this stuff out. But why burn it? Unless he decided to take a powder. Steve, do you think that Alex could have killed Mr. Biscoe? Well, he looks like a pretty live prospect at the moment. What do you know about him? Why, he was an old friend of Mr. Biscoe's. They were both in politics in Czechoslovakia and both got away together after the war. But, well, lately Alex... Well, apparently he started thinking he'd made a mistake. What do you mean? He seemed to be drifting toward the way of thought of the interests who, who now control his country. I see. As a matter of fact, he and Biscoe argued about it quite frequently lately. Well, you're making Alex sound like a real interesting guy to me, Helen. But it's a cinch we won't find him by hanging around here. Come on. Where shall we look for him? I thought you might have some ideas about... Hey. What is it? Get down. What? Down. Got to get those lights off. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. There's adventure for you tomorrow. Adventure in the modern-day Wild West, as Joel McRae stars in another exciting story of the Texas Rangers. Today, as in years gone by, the Rangers are a two-fisted, courageous group keeping law and order in the West. So for action, tune in tomorrow to Tales of the Texas Rangers. And for quiz fun on Sunday evening, hear Master of Ceremonies Phil Baker as he asks America's favorite question, the $64 question. Now back to Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Steve. Steve. Oh, oh thank heavens. Steve. Uh, my head. Oh, I am trying to stop the bleeding with my handkerchief. Huh? It seems to be only a scalp wound. Oh, I guess I'm luckier than oh. I deserve. What do you mean? Silhouetting us against that open doorway with the light behind us. That was real smart of me. Did you hear or see anything after I hit the pavement? No, I, I was afraid to move, Steve. I, I did hear someone running away, but that is all. Mm, could have been Alex. Steve, as we started to come outside, you were asking me if I had any ideas as to where we might find Alex. That's right. But there is a bar a few blocks from here where he frequently goes. Okay, come on. <laughs> You see him anywhere? No. No, he does not seem to be here. Okay, let's go. Oh, wait. What is it? Over there. There at the corner table. Huh? Huh? You mean that guy with his head and his arms? Yes. That looks like Alex. Hmm. The looks of that empty bottle in front of him. He's had it. Alex. Alex. Oh, uh, leave me alone. Come on, snap out of it, Alex. <laughs> I... I don't know you. I... 
I know Helen, but I don't know you. No? You sure we didn't meet a few minutes ago outside your place? I don't know what you talk about. Steve, the condition he's in, he's he's obviously been here most of the evening. Maybe. Look, Alex. You keep talking when all I want is for you to let me alone to grieve for my friend who's dead. Besco? And to think that I was in sympathy with him. Them? The ones who killed him. Huh? You know who did it? They did it. Who's they? When I hear about Bisco, I, I go home. I, I burn all their stinking propaganda. Look, you keep saying they and them. Let's be a little more specific. What difference does it make which one of it them? It makes a big difference to me. Who was it? I don't know. Oh, fine. They're, they're all alike. All of them. All alike. Poor Alex. It's obvious he doesn't know anything about it, Steve. Either that or he's putting on a pretty good act. Well, shall we go now? Just a minute. I want to look at his hands. Hands? Okay, let's go. I did not see anything on his hands. Neither did I. What were you looking for? Ink. Ink? I'm afraid I do not understand. It's possible there's an indelible ink stain on the killer's hand. I see. Well, let's check the next name on the list. Magda? Yeah, cafe singer. I'm interested to know what kind of a song she'll sing for me. So we head for the cafe where Magda works. She's just finished the number when we arrive, and one look at her, and I can see the reason for the ovation. Oh, look, Steve, she sees us. She's coming over to our table. Yeah, quite an outfit she has on. The strapless gown, it is beautiful. I'm a little more interested in those long black gloves that come clear up above her elbow. Oh? You know any subtle way of getting a lady to take off her gloves, Helen? You think there might be an ink stain on one of her hands? That's what I'd like to find out. Helen, my dear, I am so glad you stopped by tonight. Hello, Magda. I would like you to meet Steve Mitchell. Oh, hello, Steve. Magda? Oh, Helen, this terrible thing that has happened. I can think of nothing else. Bisco's murder? Yes, dear sweet Jan, dead. Oh, it is so hard to believe. You two should have come in sooner. My last song, I sang it in his memory. It was one of his favorites. Would you care for a drink, Magda? No, no thanks. I can only stay a moment. But a cigarette, perhaps? Oh, sure. There you are. Oh, wait. <laughs> I want to take off these clumsy gloves. Well... I thought it was going to be a problem. Oh? Uh-huh. Skip it. Would you just look at my manicure? Is it not terrible? I should have left my gloves on. I'm glad you didn't. Oh? What do you mean? Well, it gave me a chance to see your hands. Oh? And what about my hands? Why, I, well, what I mean is they're, they're very nice. <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah, nice and white. No, there aren't any ink stains on either of Magda's hands. Pretty soon she has to do another number, so Helen and I leave. Near the door, Helen spots a guy she says she knows. She stops to talk to him and then joins me a couple of minutes later outside. I am sorry to keep you waiting, Steve. That's okay. That man I was talking to, he is an old friend I have not seen for some time. Okay, Helen. Let's see. I've still got one name on my list. Hans, the pianist who lives on the third floor next door to Bisco's place. Yes, perhaps he is home by now. You may find Hans a little eccentric. Oh, the flowing tie and hair type, huh? Yes. Well, let's go talk to him, see if we can find out if one of his eccentricities, by any chance, is murder. Hello, 
are they? These walk-up apartments are for the birds in more ways than one. <laughs> this is the last flight. If he isn't home after this elk climb... Oh, listen. Listen, I can hear the piano. He is home, all right. Here. This is the door. Helen, my dear, what a delightful surprise. Hello, Hans. Oh, come on, come in. Welcome to my humble quarters. This is Steve Mitchell, Hans. Hi. Oh, I'm honored to meet any friend of Helen, sir. Helen, take off your coat and gloves. I will make some coffee. Oh, I... I don't think we have time, Hans. This uh, isn't exactly a social call. I, I, I do not understand. You see, Mr. Mitchell wants to ask you some questions. He is investigating Bisco's murder. Well, I... Wait a minute. What did you say? Bisco's murder? Helen, this is a bad thing to joke about. It is no joke, Hans. Wait a minute. You're trying to say you didn't know Bisco had been murdered? Oh, no, no, it isn't true. Funny. Everybody else in town seems to know about it. But not I. Well, where were you this evening earlier? Oh, out for a walk. Well, who, who did this horrible thing? Who killed Bisco? That's what I'm trying to find out. Let's see your hands. My, my hands? What about them? Mm, no ink spot. Well, hey, wait a minute. What is it, Steve? I thought you said this guy was a pianist. That's right. Of course I am. Yeah? You know, I thought there was something strange when I first came in this room. I've just figured out what it is. What do you mean? There's no piano in here. And being a pianist without one is a pretty neat trick. Yes. You're right. I sold my piano six months ago. I, I needed money. But the piano music we heard as we climbed up the steps. Phonograph records. I played them for Bisco's benefit. I'm ashamed to say I have been fooling him for six months with his records. Why? Oh, he loved the sound of the music. He could hear it from his window, and I knew he was too old ever to climb these stairs and discover my trick. You see, he was like a father to me. He helped support me, and I suppose it was pride that made me do this to keep him from finding out that I was a failure. I see. Helen, this thing about Bisco being like a father to Hans... That is true, Steve. Bisco was very fond of Hans. Okay, I guess we might as well go. I'm thankful for one thing, Helen. What is that, Hans? Bisco never knew he was being fooled. Oh, well, that reminds me. If you will stop by in the morning, Hans, I have a present for you from Bisco. A present? Yes, some new phonograph records he bought for you. He said he was tired of hearing the same ones day after day. The same? Oh, he knew. Yes, Hans, he knew. All the time he knew. Come, Steve. I suppose it is silly of me asking you to see me home when it is just next door, Steve, but I am afraid my nerves are a little jumpy. Sure, Helen. Tell me, Steve, what did you think of Hans? Look, right now I'm not sure what I think of anything or anybody. Everybody in this deal is a character. A drunk in a bar, a cafe singer, a pianist without a piano. Everybody tells me how much they thought of Jan Bisco, and yet somebody killed him. I know. It is very puzzling. Brother, four o'clock in the morning, and I'm no farther along than before. Well, thank you, Steve. That's okay. What is it? Nothing. I thought I saw something in the shadows across the street. Well, here, I'll turn on the porch light. Hey, no! What? Inside, quick! Steve! Steve, there was someone across the street. There sure was. What, What are you doing? Taking a look out the window. Do you see anyone? No. Oh, 
That was close, Steve. You're telling me. Oh, and I made it worse by turning on the porch light. I I did not realize. You sure you didn't, Helen? What, What do you mean? I mean, maybe it's taken me a long time to catch on. Catch on? I do not understand. Put it together this way. Your boss, Bisco, headed an outfit that smuggled worthwhile citizens out from behind the Iron Curtain. What? I did not know that. No. Anyway, he'd arranged to smuggle out an important scientist named Gocek who wanted to give us some very valuable information. Some of the gents behind the curtain found out about it, and of course it didn't set very well with them. Steve, why are you telling me all this? Let me finish, Helen. Gocek was scheduled to meet Bisco in a couple of hours. Whoever killed Bisco did it not only to put him out of business, but also to find out where the meeting was to take place so he or she could knock off Gocek too. But I do not understand what all this has to do with me. So you obligingly trot me around to look at all the suspects. Outside Alex's place, somebody takes a shot at me right after you'd opened the door, thus silhouetting me in the doorway. Steve! Then, as we're leaving the cafe where Magda sings, you stop and talk to a guy. We arrive here, you obligingly turn on the porch light and silhouette me again. Bang, bang. If you are trying to insinuate that I am involved in this, you are crazy. Am I? You are a perfect spot to engineer the whole deal, Helen. I tell you, I did not kill Bisco. And I am sure I don't know whatever put such an idea into your head. It was something that Hunts, the so-called pianist, said. What do you mean? He told you to take off your coat and gloves and said he'd fix some coffee. You declined. So? That made me realize that all through the evening you've had your gloves on. Well, and if I have, what of it? And all evening long I've been looking for an ink stain on somebody's hand. I didn't find it on Alex's hand or Magda's or Hunts. But I haven't checked your hands yet, Helen. Take off your gloves. Steve, this is ridiculous. I said take them off. Very well, I will. And then you will see how absurd your suspicions of me... What's the matter? This is strange. What's strange? These gloves. Look, black gloves are black gloves. Yes, that is the point. What are you talking These about? These are not my gloves. What? Now, look. They, they look very much the same. They are the same size and they are the same color. But the stitching, it is different. I did not notice it until just now. But where'd you get them, then? I am trying to remember. Let me see. It was right here in Visco's study. Don't you remember? Wait a minute. Yeah, we were getting ready to start out to talk to the suspects. Yes, I started looking for my purse and gloves. Then Inspector Marshall spotted them on the table. I picked them up and put them on without really looking at them. Yeah. That means somebody else picked up your gloves by mistake earlier and left her own. That also means... It also means I had better claim my properties. Magda. Stand quite still, both of you. Well... Looks like I figured out the deal. A little too late, though. Indeed you did, Stephen. And I figured that those attempts were on my life. You were trying to kill Helen because you knew sooner or later she'd realize the gloves she was wearing weren't hers. Then we'd figure out that you must have left them here earlier when you killed Bisco. Yes, quite right. But all of that does not matter now. I suppose you found out from Bisco where he was to meet. Go check before you killed him. Oh, certainly, certainly. And I will even tell you, Hmm? since you will not be alive when the meeting takes place, it will be right here in one hour. You know, Magda, there's one thing that bothers me. Uh And what is that? This bottle of ink here on Disco's desk. Some of it was spilled on the desk and there was a smear in it. I figured the killer had gotten his or her hand in it, but... It looks like I was wrong. Only as to location, Stephen. When I took off my gloves in the cafe, you were quite busy looking at my hands. If you had looked at my elbow, you would have seen the stain. Oh, that's why you're wearing the arm-length gloves. Hmm? Exactly. Of course, they, uh, they do look effective with my strapless gown, don't you think? Oh, sure, sure. I always say if I've got to be shot, I'd much rather have a girl in a white gown with black gloves do it than anyone else. I admire your sense of humor, Stephen. And now... Sure be a pity if anything happened to that gown, wouldn't it? What? 
Like this bottle of ink. Oh, oh, yeah. A little too late, Mike. Oh. I'll take that gun. Oh, Steve. Oh, oh. Thank <sighs> Thanks for reacting like a woman, Magda. Oh. If I'd thrown that ink at your face, you oh, probably you... wouldn't have batted an eye. But it really threw you off balance when you saw the stuff flying towards that nice white gown. So now we can meet Gocek instead of Magda. Yeah, I'm sure he'll like our kind of a reception much better than hers. Oh, that ink, that that ink. Uh Uh-huh, if it hadn't been for that, you'd probably be still on top. Yep, it was the ink that tripped you up coming and going. I guess you might say it sort of put a blot on your record. Levy as Steve Mitchell with Herb Butterfield as the commissioner is written by Bob Reif and Adrian Jondo with music by Robert Armbruster and is produced and directed by Bill Karn. Others in the cast were Betty Lou Gerson, Don Diamond, Hal Gerard, Lynn Allen, and Fritz Feld. Be with us again next week at this same time when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another dangerous assignment. chimes mean good times on NBC. There's top dramatic listening this Thursday when Screen Directors Playhouse presents a one-hour adaptation of the light-hearted motion picture comedy Jackpot. Starring in this Screen Directors production are Jimmy Stewart and Margaret Truman. Yes, Margaret Truman plays her first dramatic role this Thursday with Jimmy Stewart on Screen Directors Playhouse. Here, Herbert Marshall as the man called X on NBC. Welcome back. Okay, I think it's been close to three years since we had such a ridiculous gender-based conclusion to a story. The last time it was on something like Mystery is My Hobby. I mean, how did they come up with this one? Were they talking about it and concluded that it would just be ungallant for Steve Mitchell to throw a bottle of indelible ink at her face, but not at her dress? The idea that she wouldn't have cared if it had been directed at her face also seems a bit silly. Also, Steve saying, I figured it out as Marta emerged, I don't quite buy that. I mean, he had just been accusing the secretary literally seconds beforehand. And given the way the show speaks very nonspecifically about who the enemy or opponents are, it was kind of funny when Steve was pressuring that one guy to say who specifically. Who for the other side, the other team, you know, who who is supporting the other people. You know, the type of people who don't support us. It's like the series is playing that game Taboo, uh, if you've ever played it. Uh, the rules are that, as a word on it, and you've got to 
Communicate the word to your partners without saying the word or five related words that are on the card. And you can't help but feel like Steve Mitchell and the commissioner each have cards that say the Soviet Union on it. And some of the words they can't say are the Russians or communists. So that was amusing, but I also did enjoy the episode overall. I thought the characters were interesting. The writer, even though he doesn't appear, seemed like he was a really nice guy, and it, and it was sad he got murdered. So, overall, an interesting episode. Well, now we turn to listener comments and feedback. And we start out with our listener survey. John from over in Seymour, Tennessee writes, Johnny Dollar, dangerous assignment, well-scripted, and actors do a fine job. And uh, thanks, John. I would agree in general with uh, both. And even though I had some issues with this script, every uh, show is entitled to an off episode. Particularly when you're dealing with something like Dangerous Assignment, which was producing new episodes all year long. Now, there was one other comment on here that I wanted to address. I can't read it. But the listener asked something that was reasonable and that I could have answered either by email if they included that information or on the podcast. But... Uh, they chose to be anonymous, which is fine. And then they selected the option for their comment for your eyes only, which requested that their comment not be shared. So I can't actually read their question out. All of which is to say that I do encourage folks to fill out the listener survey. But if you leave a comment, particularly one with a question, unless it's super private, uh, I would encourage you to not mark the box to not share the comment. Because in this case, I definitely could have addressed it. But I do fill out the survey, survey.greatdetectives.net. You don't have to leave a comment if you don't want when you do fill out the survey. Again, if you do, uh, don't make it uh, one we can't share unless it's something that you really feel is private. Because we can withhold your name and still share your comment. And finally, we have a review in the Apple Podcast Store from... SEO uh, from the uh, uh, Great Britain Apple Podcast Store, uh, and uh, the listener writes, Adam is a wonderful host and passionate about these shows. A huge selection of genuine old-time radio shows regularly updated to keep us entertained. Each episode uploaded uh, in full, and the sound quality is great. Thank you for these little gems, Adam. Your hard work and dedication is appreciated. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your comment and taking the time to write that review. Well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Maggie. Maggie has been one of our Patreon supporters since January 2018, currently supporting the program at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Maggie. And that will actually do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow it using your favorite podcast software. And be sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you download it from. We'll be back on Wednesday with another episode of Dangerous Assignment, but join us back here tomorrow for Follow Vance, where... What's the big mystery, Markham? Why did you want me here at exactly 11 o'clock at night? I'm not sure this whole thing isn't a gag of some kind, Vance, but if it isn't, I can promise you some excitement. Well, district attorneys are famous for keeping their promises. <laughs> I'm glad I came. I hope you will be. What's up? Vance, 
I found a message on my desk this evening indicating I could expect a phone call at 11 o'clock tonight that might save somebody's life. Hmm. That's what we're waiting for. Well, that's fine with me. I don't know anything I'd rather do. It's one minute after 11, though. Perhaps somebody else did a little life-saving. Well, perhaps we'll wait a few... Hold everything, Vance. Yes, of course. Mr. Attorney Markham speaking. Markham, this is John Green, Widmere Apartments. You got my message. About saving your life? Oh, yes. Just what is all this, Green? It's terrible. I... Oh, what's I, the trouble, man? I, I can't talk to you right now. Goodbye. What? Vance, did you hear that? I certainly did. Hand me that phone book next to you. Yeah, sure. Thanks. He said his name was Green. John Green, Windmere Apartments. Green, Green... Fine. Oh, yes, here we are. Tell Green if he's in trouble, we can be over there in ten minutes. All right, Vance. Hello. Uh, Green, this is Markham again. Now listen, Philo, Vance, and I are on the way over there. We'll be at your house in ten minutes. No, no, don't come if you try to... Green! Green! He doesn't answer, Vance. Let's get over to his place right away. Apparently, somebody shot him while he was talking to you. Markham, you've just eavesdropped on a murder. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.